0: Thank you, y'all. You know, I got a preacher, buddy of mine in Oklahoma City, named Brother Larry Ellis. And uh, I guess he was still there. He's pastor of the Macedonia Mission Baptist Church. Now, Brother Larry Ellis was one of the best young preachers I ever heard in my life. He and I got to be friends through a preaching class through OBU. Now, Brother Larry is a black preacher, and he can preach, and I'm going to tell you, that song right there would have went right with his church services, Uh, if that song doesn't speak to your heart, then you've never had any trouble in this world, have you, you've never had any problem, I don't think anybody in here would admit to that, would you, say no preacher, That, that would just be inviting trouble to come, well, We all face those problems in life and those times that we don't understand. And you know the great thing about it, we may not understand the times, we may not understand why, but I've told you so many times, we can still know who God is. And we can still cling to Him. This morning, I want you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 7. We're going to look at a couple of verses this morning. I want to continue with the theme and the thought of worship and revival and and spiritual awakening. And I want to talk to you this morning on the topic of overflow. So look with me at John chapter 7. Let's start reading in verse 37. It says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly or his inward being shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Father, open our hearts and minds today. I pray that we will understand beyond any doubt that Father, Your desire for us is to live a life of victory. Your desire for us is to be filled with Your Spirit and Your power on a daily basis, a moment-by-moment basis. I pray today we would see how that is supposed to happen. And we would apply these truths to our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Now folks, I know Americans are people who love to celebrate holidays, don't we? I mean, most people's attitude, if it gets me a day off from work, I'll celebrate Pigeon Day or Squirrel Day or whatever it is. I mean, Americans like to celebrate holidays. But I think the three biggest holidays, and you'd probably agree with me, that happen annually here in America would be that most everybody celebrates, would be Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Fourth of July. I mean, at Christmas, we celebrate our spiritual faith. At Thanksgiving, we celebrate our material favors. And then the Fourth of July, we celebrate our uh, political freedom. Now, the Jewish people, they also like to celebrate. They like holidays, but they call their holidays feasts. And there were three annual, three great Uh, national feast in the Jewish religious calendar. There were more than three, of course, but these three stood out. First, there was the Feast of Passover. Second was known as the Feast of Pentecost or Harvest. And the third was known as the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. Now from verse 2 in John chapter 7, we know that Jesus was speaking during the Feast of Tabernacles. Now this was a high, happy, holy day for the Jewish people. The Feast of Tabernacles... That was like Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving, 4th of July, all rolled into one. And during this feast time, the high priest would go to the pool of Siloam. He would take a gold pitcher. He would dip that pitcher into the water. He would take water back to the temple. He would then pour the water over the altar of sacrifice. And the moment he poured that water out, the Levites would blow the trumpets (coughs) and the crowd of people there would quote Isaiah 12.3 that says, With joy you'll draw water from the wells of salvation. Then there would be dancing and shouting and singing. I mean, great hallelujahs filling in the air. This was a great party. Well, understand, it was right in the middle of the climax of this great holiday that Jesus stood up and He cried out in verse 37, If any man or if anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. Now the reason Jesus did that is because Jesus realized that these people were drinking water from the river of ritual. They were drawing water from the well of religion. And Jesus knew that after that feast day was over with, that people would go back to the same old fears, faults, frustrations, and failures that they had before the feast day. Now what was wrong with that crowd in Jesus' day, folks? I'm going to tell you. It's the same thing wrong with many a church crowd today. All over our country and all over the world. What they're doing is drawing water from the wrong well. Now it may surprise some of you to hear a preacher say this. Some of you are not going to be because I've said it before. But there is a word that I despise and hate in the English language. It's the word religion. I do not like the word religion. In my estimation, folks, the average American church member, they need to turn from their religion and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. I'm going to tell you, religion has led more people down the gradual descent to hell than anything else that I can think of. I despise religion. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, He said prophetically one time, speaking of the 20th century, which we've already passed that, but he said prophetically speaking of the 20th century, he said that uh, it would be a time where Christianity, there would be Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without regeneration, morality without God, heaven without hell, and religion without the Holy Spirit. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. I think that last one may be the greatest danger of all. Because let's just get real honest about it. The average Christian may be saved, but the average Christian is not all that excited about being saved. Do you agree with that? Do you know what's wrong with the average Christian? Do you know why the average Christian is an average Christian? Because the average Christian, they've come to Calvary for pardon, but friend, they ain't never been to Pentecost for power. Yet the Lord Jesus promises that within, within inside every believer... There ought to be a river overflowing, overflowing the banks of our hearts and spilling out from us and touching the lives of others. In other words, folks, every Christian needs to learn how to overflow. That's what we're going to look at today. There are four verbs that are mentioned in this passage of Scripture that give us the key uh, to how to go from a monotonous you know, uh, re- uh, religion to a, a monumental relationship. These words also, they tell us how to go from a ho-hum religion to a a, a salvation of joy and ecstasy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me give you these words. You ready? You may want to circle them. It's the words thirst, come, drink, and flow. You put those together, that gives you the steps, gives you what we need to do as Christians uh, if we're going to have a life that overflows. And the first thing we need to do, folks, there needs to be a personal desire. Notice the condition, verse 37, that Jesus lays down. He says, if anyone thirsts, if any man thirsts, if anyone thirsts. I love that word, any. I thank God for that word, any. Because Jesus plainly says, if anyone wants God, he can have him. If anyone seeks God, they can find him. So, any. That's every one of us here today. Are you an any? I think we're all any's. Now that means that the surgeon at the hospital the student at the desk the professor at the university the housewife uh, in the home the carpenter the the plumber the police officer the firefighter whoever it may be that means anyone anyone can seek and can find the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice it's specifically addressed to those who are thirsty. Now folks the problem with many people is they just simply not thirsty. Now, let me be real clear. You may even be willing to admit that you're empty, but being empty is not the same thing as being thirsty. you agree? I mean, uh, my, my truck is occasionally... Who am I kidding? My truck is always empty, but it's never thirsty, okay? Now, it's hard for us to appreciate the phenomenon of thirst. I mean, th- think about it, folks. Here in America and here in the heartland... We are some of the 18% of the world's population that actually has fresh running water piped into our homes. The other 82% of the world do not have that. They don't have water in the house. They don't have sinks. They don't have things like that. It's hard for us to appreciate the value of water. But that's one thing that hadn't changed. In the land that Jesus was speaking uh, to at this time, it hadn't changed over in the Middle East. You learn very quickly over there the most valued possession that you can have is bottled water. Because all the water over there, for the most part, is polluted. It's unfit fit to drink. Water's like salt. You don't realize how valuable, how important it is until you don't have any more. Now, I want you to listen real carefully to me. Before you can really get all of God that you ought to have, you've got to have a thirst for God. There has to be that desire for God and the things of God. I mean, you've got to, to thirst like the psalmist said in Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you. Oh God, my soul thirsts for you, for the living God. you got to be like King David. you got to cry out like he did in Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. You have to come to the point, like the psalmist said in Psalm 143, I spread out my hands to you, O oh God, my soul longs for you like a thirsty land now I'm going to tell you something friend I've said this before as well but I can tell you and you say preacher you can't tell me anything you don't know me whether I know you personally or not I can tell you right now just how much of God you have in your life and the bottom line is you have all of God that you want in your life right now For, for some of you I'm going to be honest that may not be very much because the fact of the matter is you're just simply not thirsty for God do you know the reason why many folks are not thirsty? They're not thirsty for God and the things of God because they've been filled with the stagnant waters from the sump pump of this world. And you, you know what? Think about this, folks. You can boil the basic desires of the average person down to two desires. You know what they are? Number one, the average person's desires. There's two of them. Number one, we all have a desire to be healthy. Would you agree with that? I mean, we don't want to be sick. We want to live a long life. Uh, we want to feel good. The second desire, we all have a desire to be happy. And let me just be brutally honest with you. The truth is that if a person can be healthy and happy without going to church, they're not going to go to church. And our society, if a person can be healthy and happy without reading God's Word, they're not going to read the Bible. If somebody can be healthy and happy without sharing Jesus with a lost world, they're not going to share Jesus with a lost world. If somebody can be healthy and happy without giving to the Lord's work, they won't give to the Lord's work. But Christian, here's my question. Where is the desire to be holy? The desire for God and the things of God. Notice, have you ever thought about this, folks? Have you ever thought about how sweeter... The water is, the thirstier you are. I mean, the more water becomes valuable, the more thirstier that you are. And I want to say this, you're never going to have all of God that you ought to have, that you need to have, that you should have, until you come to the point like a dry, dying beggar in the middle of the desert. You seek God like that man seeks and desires water. And here's the good news. If you get thirsty for God, God himself will fill you. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they should be filled. So for the power to overflow, for, for God's spirit to overflow in your life, there must be that desire. But number two, there also needs to be a purposeful devotion. I want you to look at verse 37 again. Once a person's thirsty for God, Jesus says, let him come to me. Come unto me. If you want to experience the presence of God in your soul, come to Jesus, friend. If you want to know the person of God in your heart, come to Jesus. If you want to receive the power of God in your life, then come to Jesus. Now, I tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only true source of satisfaction you're ever going to find in this life. See, I don't agree with you, preacher. Okay. I wish that I could call the wisest, richest man that ever lived up on this platform. I wish I could get King Solomon to come up here and give you his testimony. King Solomon tried everything this world had to offer. He drank from all the polluted wells of this world. He tried everything to find satisfaction and tried all of it. And it didn't work. Let me read you his diary. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. First thing he tried was the party life. The the wildness, I guess you'd say. Verses 1 and 2 of Ecclesiastes 2. I said in my heart, come now, I'll test you with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure, but surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it's madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? He became, understand, King Solomon became the original playboy. The original player, the party boy. It was all play and no work. But he said that didn't satisfy. It was vanity. But also he tried wine because verse 3 of Ecclesiastes 2, he says, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom, how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. But you know what he found out? He found out just like an alcoholic that wine doesn't work. By the way, do you know what an alcoholic is? That's somebody who wants just one more drink. Just one more drink. Do you remember the the pathetic picture that Solomon paints in Proverbs 23, 35 of the alcoholic? He says, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They've beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? He said, wine wasn't any good. Partying wasn't any good. But he also, folks, he tried work. In verse 4 of Ecclesiastes 2, he said, I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. In other words, he tried to build and buy and buy and build. What was the result? Verse 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Then he tried wealth. Now realize, let me write you again. He was the richest man in the world. And to, by today's standards, he probably still would be the richest man the world's ever known. So he tried all these riches. Verses 7 and 8 of Ecclesiastes 2. I required, he says, I acquired male and female servants and had servants in my house. I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold, the special treasures of kings and other provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. But you know what Solomon found out? He found out the Bible was true because the Bible says the eyes of man are never satisfied. Solomon realized that truth. It was kind of like I think I've told you before when, when Rockefeller was at his height as the richest man in the world. Somebody asked him, how much money is enough? He said, just a little more than what I have. It never satisfy you. I'll tell you what else he tried. He tried women. In verse 10 of Ecclesiastes 2, he said, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. That word pleasure speaks of everything, everything imaginable. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. That was the reward of all my labor. Now, and some of you younger generation may not know, but he passed away some time ago, I think. But Solomon became the Hugh Hefner of his day. I mean, we know he had an eye for the ladies. He had 700 wives. I don't know how in the world this guy was supposed to be the wisest man in the world, but that's another sermon. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. A thousand women. I've got four in my house and sometimes I feel like an alien. But we know that all oh, the wives, that wasn't going to work. Because with 700 wives, you got 700 mother-in-laws. How in the world is that going to work, right? <laughs> but finally, in Ecclesiastes 2, verses 12 and 13, he tries wisdom. He said, Then I turned myself to consider wisdom and madness and folly. <coughs> Excuse me. For what can the man do who succeeds the king? Only what he's already done. Then I saw that, now this is the turning point. Then I saw that wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. You know what Solomon found out? He found out the more that he learned, the less he knew. But what he did learn showed him that everything is futile and foolish. Without God. It was when he came to God that Solomon found true sources in the secret of satisfaction. Some of you here today, you're searching. You're looking for it. I'm going to tell you, you're not going to find anything this world has to offer. Don't take my word for it. Take a man who knows. Solomon makes it real clear. I heard the voice of Jesus say, behold, I freely give. The living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived. He fulfilled my heart's dream. Listen, friend, it doesn't make any difference, and I want to make this clear. Whether you're lost and you need regeneration, or you are saved and you need revival, all you need to do, all you can do, what you should do is come to Jesus Christ. You know, some people, they they think the way to Jesus is holiness. And I want to explain something to you. They they seem to have holiness down to a formula. You know, they believe that service plus sacrifice equals holiness. Their idea is, if I can do enough for God, give enough to God, then God will be happy with me, and God will give me the kind of power, joy, and zeal that I need in my life. Well, friend, that is exactly, totally backwards. Understand something. The way to Jesus is not holiness. Jesus is the way to holiness. You see, service and sacrifice, and I'm not making light of they're important things, folks, but they're not the roots of the Spirit-filled life. They're the fruits of the Spirit-filled life. The root of the Spirit-filled life is Jesus Christ Himself. If you want Jesus to fill you with His Holy Spirit, you know what you got to do? Give up on yourself and surrender totally and completely to Jesus Christ. That leads me to the third point. If you're going to have the power of God overflow in your life, the love of Christ overflow in your life, if you're going to live that victorious Christian life, then the third thing you've got to do is make a practical decision. You have to decide. Now, I want you to imagine for me. You've been in the desert for several days and you've been without water. I mean, your skin's cracked from the, the sun bearing down on you. Your mouth is parsed, your, your lips are dry and cracking, and then all of a sudden you, you top a rise and you come up on a river. Beautiful river flowing with water. Now, I realize, folks, this is a silly question, but let me ask you, what would you do? <laughs> you know what you would do. You would drink, and you would drink your fill at the river. Well, that is exactly what Jesus tells us to do. Look at verse 37 again. He said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Now, I want to explain to you, it's right here where so many Christians miss it. They come to the bank of the river. They see the water. They watch the waves lap up on the shoreline. They even bend over. They get close enough to see the reflection on the surface of the water, but they still don't drink. Listen to me, friend. If, if you... God's gonna lead you to the river okay but God's not gonna make you drink Christian if you're gonna drink you have to be do that yourself you have to want to be filled before you take a drink now listen carefully to me the Holy Spirit has been positively activated in the life of the child of God amen we have the Holy Spirit the moment that we're saved the Bible teaches that no such thing as waiting down the road to be able to speak in tongues to have a second blessing if you're from a charismatic belief and I've offended you, I apologize. But I do not apologize for what God's word says. And God's word teaches unequivocally and clearly. When you come to Jesus Christ and you're saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart and in your life. But here's the problem, folks. The Holy Spirit has been positively activated and the child of God But he's not been personally appropriated by every child of God. Let me explain it. Vance Havner said this. The average Christian is so ignorant of or indifferent to the filling of the Holy Spirit that when he does realize and receives fullness of power, it truly seems to be a second blessing to him. You see, the filling of the Spirit has been provided for every one of us. But let me make it clear. What is ours by provision is not always ours by conscious possession. There are some of you here today. You're listening to the sermon. You're taking notes. Maybe you're saying amen in the right place. It's not in your head in agreement. But you're going to walk out this building today never drinking. Never taking a drink. I can't tell you the number of times over the years that I've shared the gospel with somebody. And they understood they were lost. They understood they were separated from God. They also understood that Jesus Christ died in their place on the cross. Paid the price for their sins. They also understood that if they would repent of their sins and by faith trust Jesus Christ. That he would save them. Now and for all eternity. They understood all that. But when I come to the point of asking them if they don't want to pray and and give their life to Jesus Christ. You know what a lot of folks say? No. Not right now. Now, they understand all of it, but not right now, preacher. No, it's the wrong time. Uh, I just can't do that. You know, maybe next week, preacher. They refuse, friend, to get under the spout where the glory comes out. And they were so close to salvation. They were so close to having and living the life that God desires for them to have. Now, listen, do you understand what I'm telling you? Friend, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, all you got to do is come to Jesus and drink. Reminds me of story of a foreigner who was visiting here in America, and he was at the airport. He had never seen a water fountain before. And he saw people walking up to this water fountain, bending over, getting water, and he, he thought, that is amazing. You know, America, what a wonderful place. Things we take for granted, people think are so amazing. So he decided after a little while, I'm going to try that. I'm going to get some water. He walked over to it, but he couldn't find a button. He couldn't find a lever, couldn't find a knob. He tried and tried to get water to come out of it. hit on the side of it, shook it, nothing happened. Finally frustrated, he turned around to leave, and somebody pointed out to him and said, Look at that sign. And right there on the side of the water fountain, it said, Stoop and Drink. And when he finally did bend over and stoop and drink, there was an electronic eye there that sensed his presence, and the water flowed out. Listen to me. Friend, when you come to Jesus and you believe his word and you're willing to stoop, Humble yourself and receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. He'll give that to you. Now understand, that's what it means to drink. That you simply believe in Jesus Christ. That you take God at His word. And think about this. The entire Christian life, from salvation to justification to sanctification to glorification. Folks, it's all by faith. Amen? I mean, listen. How do you know, uh, how how do you go from being a sinner... Freed from sin. But by grace are you saved through faith. So how do you, do you go from a sinner saved from sin, freed from sin, and you become a saint filled with the Spirit? Same way, by faith. You see, to come to Jesus and drink simply means to believe the promise of God and therefore receive the filling of the Spirit. So let me make it real clear to you. If you believe, you receive. If you doubt, you're going to do without. Now it's right here. Again, where many people get confused. They mistake a feeling with a feeling. Now, let me explain to you. Do you know why so many professing Christians drop by the wayside? They don't finish their race. They drop out of church. They quit serving God. I'll tell you why it happens, folks. They got the feeling, but they didn't get the feeling. And when the feeling wore off, they gave up and failed. Plain and simple. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. It's the filling, not the feeling, that will keep you from falling. Far too many professing Christians, they're looking for a healing feeling when all God promises is a holy filling. It reminds me of a story I heard of Dr. Lynn uh, Broughton. He was a longtime pastor of big, the huge Baptist church in downtown Atlanta, the Baptist Tabernacle Church. And he told the story how when he was a young pastor, young preacher, hadn't been in the ministry very long, he went to a convention meeting. And he heard a man preaching about the power of the Holy Spirit. And he had felt like that uh, there was no power in his life. He was convicted of that as a young pastor and young preacher. So at the invitation time, he went and knelt down up front. And he said, I surrendered my life totally to Christ. And he said, I I prayed that God would, would fill me with his power and his spirit. And he said, I remember after the service, another young preacher came to him. And he said, well, how do you feel? Dr. Brighton said this I told that young man I didn't ask for a feeling I asked for the filling and he said from now on I will not minister and preach by feeling but I'll minister and preach by faith in the Son of God friend the same way that you get the Savior is the same way you are filled with the Spirit by faith but it has to be a desire in your heart there there has to be that devotion within you to make that decision and you have to make the decision for yourself. But I'll tell you, when you have the desire, devotion, and you make the decision, that leads to a very powerful dynamic taking place in your life. The man, When a man's thirsty and he comes and he drinks, when he believes the word of God, notice what Jesus said. Look at verse 38. It says, Out of his belly or his inward being, his heart, shall flow rivers of living water. Now, listen to me, friend. If Jesus said, this here and Jesus you know gives us this truth do you believe it's true I do for no other reason than Jesus said it's true well if he meant what he said then that means we are to be living fountains Christian we're to be sending forth revival floods out of our lives and touching the lives of others so if we're to be doing that I want you to stay real close with me on this then we got no business standing along Jordan's stormy banks and casting a wishful eye toward Canaan's fair and happy land where our possessions lie. Christian, we have not been called to look at Canaan. We've been called to live in Canaan, to live the victorious Christian life through Jesus Christ. Do you agree with that? Notice now it's to be a river, not a trickle, but a torrent. Not a drop or a a drip in a bucket, but it's to be a deluge. And then, friend, listen. God hadn't called us to be sponges, okay? He's called us to be springs. Church member, you're a Christian. I want you to listen to me. We're not to be sponges that merely soak up the truth. We're to be springs, rivers that flow with the truth, that share the truth and spread the truth. You've probably heard this before, but we're not supposed to be like the Dead Sea over there in Israel. You know why the Dead Sea is dead? Because nothing can live in the water. You know why it is? Because it continually takes in, but nothing ever goes out. Now let me be real clear up front and honest with you. That's why the majority of churches in America today are dead and dying. Because they take in, take in, take in, but nothing ever goes out. You know why God wants to give us His Holy Spirit? Let me say this. You know, there are people who who ask for the fullness of the Spirit, but God doesn't fill them. Uh, do you know why He doesn't fill some of them? Because there are people who ask for the fullness of the Spirit so they become some kind of famous preacher, or so they can be looked upon as some kind of great Bible scholar or Bible student, or because they, they feel like they need the filling of the Spirit so they can make a spectacle in themselves and have crowds look at them. Let me make this real clear to you. I want to remind you the Holy Spirit is not given for our enjoyment but for our employment. And if God gives you the fullness of His Spirit, He'll do so for the purpose of you being a tool in His hand to serve Him and to bless others. Incidentally, this river Jesus is talking about, it's never ending. The supply never dwindles. <coughs> Sometimes, folks, we get the idea that if we try to be too much of a blessing, if we try to reach out, if we try to, you know, to to reach out too much and to serve others too much, then we're just simply going to wear ourselves out. The power is going to be depleted. But I want to tell you something, friend, and and I can tell you from God's Word, but also from experience, it's not service that exhausts our power. It's sin that clogs the pipe. So what do you mean, preacher? Listen, you'll never be empty because of the outflow of blessing only because there's trouble with the inflow of power. Sin in your life will hide God's face. The scripture tells us that. You want the power of God in your life, then there can't be anything between you and Him. The power, that joy, that dynamic is available to you. It's available to me. If we will just come to Jesus and drink. Believe in Him. Surrender our all totally and completely to Him. And then, friend, when you do that, you can say this. I found the joy no tongue can tell how its ways of glory roll. It's like a great overflowing well springing up. Within my soul You know years ago I uh, remember reading the story Of a certain sailing vessel And they had run out of drinking water Now that's pretty serious If you're on the ocean If you're sailing You run out of drinking water They thought they were going to perish And then they saw another ship on the horizon So they signaled to that ship To let them know Hey we're out of drinking water We're going to die Do you have any drinking water That other ship signaled back And told them Said let your bucket down they thought, let her bucket down. We don't need seawater. They signaled back to them and said, We don't need salt water. We need drinking water. We need fresh water. They got a signal back from that ship on the horizon. And it said, Let your bucket down. See, what that sailing vessel didn't realize was they were sailing past the mouth of the Amazon River. And the Amazon River is such a, a powerful force, and so many miles and cubic miles of water coming out of the Amazon into the ocean that for miles and miles offshore the water is fresh now these men were sailing on a river of fresh water but they were dying of thirst there are a lot of Christians that are sailing on the river of fresh water because you're in Jesus Christ Paul says that but you're dying of thirst because you refuse to simply drink let your bucket down and drink I'm going to ask you in closing. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for God? Are you thirsty for the Holy Spirit? Are you thirsty for a victorious life? For that spirit-filled, victory-thrilled life? Then, friend, come to Jesus and drink. And he'll fill you until you overflow. Until you become a, a, a river of blessing. Not just for yourself, but for others. But here's the bottom line. It's offered. But you need to have a desire you need to have the devotion you need to make the decision for yourself to do just that surrender all you are to Jesus Christ today you bow your heads please